Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. You're listening to episode 186, where I'm chatting with my friend, Tracy Levinson. She's an author of the book, Unashamed, Candid Conversations About Love, Dating, Nakedness, and Faith. She's also the host of a show on The Blaze, and she's here to help us. You remember from the GCM Live episode that you listened to last week that there was a question raised by a listener about what do I do when my child's struggling in social situations? Do I get involved? Do I let them work it out? And I don't know that we came up with a good answer besides realizing this is a struggle for all of us moms and that we're not alone in the struggle. Well, Tracy has older kids and she shares some fabulous stories of times when she did need to get involved, but how she did it is beautiful. And I think it sets a good example of how to balance this well. She also presents the parenting triangle, which is going to stick with me. It's so true and so good. And parenting in the Holy Spirit. She helps you because Tracy, if you are that mom who did not grow up in a home of faith, Tracy is your gal to give you guidance and wisdom. She went from being an atheist to following Christ when she was in college. Her husband, uh, he also found the faith later in life. And so she talks about how do you build your own faith when you're trying to help your children learn about God. So good. Uh, In her book, Unashamed, she uh, addresses talking to our kids about dating and love. And and so there might be near the end some conversation. You might need a little headphone warning here. If you have young kids around, we will be talking about adult things near the end of the show. So there's a little warning. Uh, But overall, you are going to be blessed and freed by this conversation. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Tracy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. We finally made it happen. We did. Uh, <laughs> I think Courtney DeFeo's been trying to connect us for over a year. It's fine. It's fine. It's I'm, great. I'm a little slow. I'm a little slow, but I know that you are supposed to be on here because I just keep running into you and I keep feeling like you are such a valuable resource for the moms that listen to this show. So welcome, welcome. And I love if you take a second or two or three or 70 to introduce everyone kind of to your family and your story. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's do, but I won't take 70, 70 minutes <laughs> or seconds for that. But yes, I'm so glad to be here today to share my story and to encourage moms like you like to do, Heather. Um, I grew up in a home where I didn't learn about God at all and found myself in a place where I claimed my, to be an atheist. As a young girl, uh, wow. early on, and that actually comes comes up later in my own story with my own son, and I can I can share that a little bit as we move further in this podcast. But um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I ended up being a drama major, and when I was, <laughs> yes, 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 you know, when I was in Los Angeles, I met a Jewish guy, and we fell in love, got married, had two kids, and then I really started wrestling with ideas of faith hmm. and I came into what, what kind of what kind of uh, made you start wrestling with that well I, I mean honestly I've been a seeker for a long time I had studied all world religions uh, I just was looking for the truth honestly hmm. I, I didn't care I didn't believe in hell I mean I, there was no fear it wasn't a fear thing I just wanted truth and um, really what happened is I was holding my daughter one day she was a baby and I had always wanted to be a mom. And I looked down at her tiny body and I thought to myself, there must be a greater love. Hmm. And I 
didn't have access to it and I didn't know scripture or any of that. So I didn't understand that I was dead in my sin. And so I really didn't have access. The love of God had not been poured into my heart. And so I just began to really seek at that point. And I actually threw up a prayer to God and said, you know, if you're real, will you please show me? Hmm. And then um, right after that, we had a flood in Chicago that was like FEMA was coming down our streets in boats. It was a really? flood. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I lost everything, five feet of water in my home, just like the floods that you've seen recently. In Houston, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, we had just been visiting a church for a couple of weeks. I'm from Texas. I just said fur. And these people from this church flooded my home physically and spiritually and emotionally and took care of my children, fed us. We're cleaning out our, you know, everything was sewage, you know. And and I just, I remember kept thinking, like, why are they doing this? And I kept remembering the prayer I prayed to God. of Why are these people being so loving? Why are they caring? And it just gave me this taste of love and of community and of God and of church. And so I began to get serious about my faith after that and began to ask those people questions about God and the Bible. And um, and I was excited because every other faith I had looked into was more about, I don't know, it really wasn't intellectual. And I did not want to check my brain at the door to become a Christian. I just mm. really did not. And Christianity is kind of impressive. If you put it up against other books, um, like, you know, I was a theater major, so I was into Euripides, which is, who cares? But he was one of the earliest playwrights. He's one of the earliest books of antiquity we have. There's like, Mm. I think there's like three copies of his stuff. And then Plato, there's, I mean, there's not very many copies. And then you look at the Bible and the manuscript evidence and the prophetic evidence and the, um, it's just kind of stunning when you look at the Bible compared to other religions. And so I didn't get all my questions answered, but eventually I just said yes to God and and then a year after I said yes to God, my Jewish husband said yes to God. I was gonna. That was gonna be my next question. Okay, great. All right, interesting. Yeah. And so, had he he had he grown in, up in a uh, religious Jewish home or just a culturally Jewish home? Good question. He grew up in a more culturally Jewish home. However, he as a young boy always believed in God, hmm. um, and he had gone to Hebrew school. I mean, he took it. It's very seriously compared to anybody in his family. He was the most devout, I guess you might say, but he. Um, so he had a foundation of he did. belief in God and all of the promises and the covenants, the he, old covenants. He, he had did. that. Yeah, he did. And, and I think for him, what happened is he began to hear about this guy named Jesus. And of course, you know, he looked, he looked in Isaiah and he began to be friends with these pastors and they were really cool and not pushy. But he began to think about, because they still talk about the Messiah. I mean, I, we go to Jewish events sometimes with family and I mean, they oh, yeah. talk about the Messiah. And so he began to wonder if perhaps this Jewish carpenter might be his Messiah. And so he began to look into that for himself and came to a place where he said yes to Jesus. Hmm. Wow. So about what year was it when you had said yes and your husband said yes? That is such a good question. So I, I have to track it back. So my son's around 24 years old. So I, it was like probably 19 years ago. Okay. Okay. 19, 20 years ago. And your kids were about how old when that happened? Oh, yeah. They were munchkins. I mean, we were, let's say, <laughs> we're, we're, we're three and two, maybe. Yeah. Four and, two, four and three. 
And what was interesting is I'm a processor, so I would talk about God to my son while I was learning. So when he was little, because mm. I didn't have anyone, we'd moved to Chicago, I didn't have any friends, and I would say, do you think God is real? I mean, I literally would say that to my son, do you think God is real? And then I would, I remember going into Christian bookstores, and it was like creepy to me. I'm like, ooh, this is weird. And I'm like, I know that sounds weird, but like when you're a non-believer, you're just like, what is this place? And yeah, I is thought, this a cult? If I just entered yes! this cult, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I remember getting um, like Peter Rabbit and um, I don't know, just uh, Prayer Bear and all these little videos they had back then. And he would watch them, and I would say, you know, what do you think faith is? And my little four-year-old would say, Mom, you know, he was repeating Peter Rabbit, but he was like, Mom. Faith is something you believe in that you can't see. And, oh. and so he just was my, my buddy. And I came to faith in Jesus. And pretty soon after I came to faith in Jesus, he came into a real faith in Jesus as well. Hmm. And then he began to pray for his daddy. So you can only imagine how thrilled he was when his daddy said yes to Jesus too. Oh, oh So then did you all attend a church together when they were little? We did. Church was a big part of our renewing of our mind and of building Christian community and, and navigating because we had no, I mean, we had no framework for um, how to be married, um, how to raise kids. Yeah. And, um, and some of what we found in the church was super, super helpful. And some of it was legalism and not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yes. So what, who would, who was your guide? Like, how did you, wrestle through that because I know there are a lot of gals that listen to this podcast that that's their story. They have little kids. They didn't really have a model of what this looks like to be um, married and follow Jesus and raise kids who follow Jesus. And they're kind of trying to piece it all together. So where did you go? You didn't have podcasts or internet. (laughs) Right. You know what? This is a great question because be, and I feel like I benefited in a weird way. And then it was also difficult. I benefited yeah. by not having a model because I really had nothing but God. Because in the midst of that, um, my husband had a job where he traveled all the time. And mm. he, he didn't, he said yes to Jesus, but didn't, wasn't that serious about his faith and wasn't, um, you know, what I, I had this picture, you know, because I went to church and they said the husband should be the leader. And, and, I, and, and you heard about these families and the husband was doing family devotions. And I'm like, ah, oh, we should be doing all this. And so I did, should the shoulds we yes. should be yes don't should me don't and should so me. I I wanted that for my kids and I remember going to a leader in my church and I said well she was like well, are you te-? I I was I was actually reading the Bible and like learning a bunch of stuff and she's like are you teaching this to your kids and I was so silly but I was like well no I really feel like that's my husband's job and she was like excuse me no yeah. like step up I mean you be his helpmate step up if there's a gap. And it's for your kids, step up. And so I, I felt encouraged by that. And so basically for me, because I didn't have a big framework of like, oh, this is how my mom did it. This is how I'll do it. I was so sensitive to God. I constantly would talk to God about everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, every time I hit like a, a, a bump in the road, I'd be, I'd be like, hey, God, like, can you help me out here? Like, you know, and I, I would always just kind of look to God and I, and I, I looked to scripture as a, I mean, I just, it was it's wisdom, like Proverbs is an amazing place for moms. I remember I was having some, some stuff, some things happen to my daughter when she was young and I was really concerned about her and like I, stuff like medically or just, emotionally. Uh, st- yeah, stuff that you, like you wouldn't want to happen to your kid. And, mm. um, and so 
I remember looking in Proverbs and it said, seek wisdom from a multitude of counselors. And I was like, mm. oh, because I was like the kind of person that like didn't think to do that. I'm like, okay. And then it went on to say in Proverbs, if you're going to seek counsel from someone, make sure they bear fruit in that area. And I was, because I used to be just ask my best, ask this person. And, and they might, yeah. like, if I had marital issues, I just asked my friend who had marital issues instead of someone who had a really positive marriage, like someone who's bearing fruit in that specific area. And so I got into this habit of whenever I had a challenge or a struggle to seek out, usually like three people is kind of, wasn't like a rule, but it was kind of where I always landed with my kids, someone who was older and wiser and who had fruit in their parenting and get ideas and counsel. And that has helped me so much all through my parenting. So wise, so wise and came right from Proverbs. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Can't get better than that. Can't get better than that. So was there, you know, you mentioned going to an older woman. Did you have a consistent older woman in your life that you met with regularly? Or was it kind of just here or there, someone from the church? I, I remember hearing about this older woman thing. And then I asked God, I was like, hey, God, is there somebody out there for me? And uh, I would say about six months after I prayed that a woman came into my life. And she was amazing. And she was so sweet because she had had a husband who had come later that kind of kind of more into his faith and got more um I guess I don't know what to say because we don't need to be serious serious to take, with God to kind of take that relationship uh, as a more of a priority yes 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 spending more you. time yeah what you yeah. said and yeah. so <laughs> she understood what it was like to raise kids without that and to be a passionate woman of God and to like how do you do this how do you manage this and she just gave me um, such good advice along the way. I remember at one point, um, just struggling with, in, in my marriage about something and it was something that's really should be the husband's responsibility or whatever. And she just said, Tracy, you're his helpmate. And so part of being his helpmate sometimes is, um, sharing with him what your needs are. Cause our, so we, we as women want our husbands to just read our, our minds and know what our needs are. And you know, how the Bible says, um, Wives love, you know, husbands love your wives in a knowing way. That's what the original language means here, in a knowing way. And so she said, how can he know how to meet your needs or what you think the needs are of the family if you don't really communicate to them that to him? That's mm. not trying to lord over him. That's not trying to be in control. That's literally being his helpmate. You're helping him to fulfill what God's called him to fulfill, which is to really come alongside you and to love you well. And how yeah. can he love you in a knowing way if you don't tell him? what, how to know you. It's and so just good. things like that. Just advice along the way. Yeah. She's really amazing. I get so many emails from women who are in that position where the husband maybe isn't the spiritual leader, may not even be a believer at all. And I think everything you're saying is so wise. You know, if you are a believer or a passionate woman of God and your husband hasn't taken that role, it doesn't mean you can't teach your children the Bible and you should wait for your husband or add that nagging or the, um, the, add the grief on top of, you know, the lack of presence in that in your home. What other things do you think encouragement you could give someone who's in that position where their husband maybe isn't as uh, intentional in their faith as you'd like? I have another older friend who's had the same story. And what she said to me, she said, um, Tracy, you have to have a long view, a long, you know, because the reality is as believers, you know, God lives outside of time. And in some ways, we are already catapulted into the heavenlies, which sounds totally bizarre. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. because, because we're in Christ, we actually have these eternal 
Our eternal life started at the moment of belief. That's what yes. I always say. Like yes. it's already it's already started. We don't have to fear death then because we've already conquered it. It's already been conquered for us. Exactly. And so yeah. there's this verse in scripture where the apostle Paul says, I view no man according to the flesh. And mm-hmm. so we oftentimes when we're in a relationship, whether it's our kids or our husband or ourselves, we view ourselves or our husbands in light of what we see where we think it's falling short, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, you have to start with the long view. And what you have to start with is whatever God has revealed to you that you know of God, you're like, I just wish my husband could know this or whatever that is. She said, don't you know, the minute he takes his last breath, the minute he is face to face with God, he will know. And Mm -hmm. so for you, this seems like eternity and like he needs to hurry up because it would help your son or you know, whatever. Yeah. And she said, but just know you have to start with that. That's your starting point is that whatever you're frustrated with or whatever maturity you'd like to see in him, which, you know, we're immature when we try to be the Holy Spirit for our husbands. But but anyway, but she just said, start with that. And then Mm -hmm. she said from there, just remember that God is your husband and keep growing in intimacy with God and keep walking with God and keep learning how to hear God. And whatever, whatever you think is lacking in your parenting situation and whatever role you think your husband needs to step into. So this picture can look the way you want it to look. She said in the places where it's not like that, you need to lean into God and that could be a really sweet place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Oh, I love all of this. Okay. So that's freeing us up in our relationship with our spouse. I know, uh, our mutual friend, Courtney DeFeo, was talking to you about our live event that we had. The episode just went, was published this week. And in that conversation, someone had emailed me, how do we handle friendships with our kids? How do we handle when things aren't going the way we think they should for our kids socially? It's again, that whole like, we have this idea of how family should go. We have this idea of how our kids' lives should go. And then we get trapped when it doesn't go the way we think it should how much do we get involved how much do we let it on you know figure its way out and trust god for and she said you guys had a great conversation so i'm coming to you with this (laughs) figure this out for us well it's painful it's really painful when the picture doesn't look the way you want it to look um and I think I surprised Courtney with my answer because I think she expected me to say that we need to let them just work it out. So let me back up a little bit first. Okay. The concept of kids and friendships. I think that the main thing that as parents that we need to, again, a starting point is do we have a healthy view of friendships ourselves? And did we have pain in our own past in junior high when those girls didn't invite us to that sleepover? Um, are we quick to be paranoid about friendships? In other words, have we dealt with our own stuff? Rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Me not using a bad word there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I have, are, yeah, that's exactly it. Are we, have, I'll say it now and you can erase it, but have we dealt with our own crap? Have we dealt with the things that we wrestled with in that area? And because a lot of times parents will impose their own story on their own kids. So for instance, if you got rejected a lot in junior high and your daughter comes home, she's like, Susie didn't play with me in the play yard. You, oftentimes, if you haven't dealt with that for yourself, you will overreact to that. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would say is really it's important to get it to a healthy place and a neutral place so you're not responding out of your own story. And how do we, I mean, I'm, 
I've kind of dealt with that a little bit as far on the show. Um, moms getting themselves whole and healed and taking that to God. And for me, I had a moment of memory being a homeschool girl and how God kind of supernaturally healed that memory for me. But was there anything, you know, you would suggest for moms to help heal from that? Because we can say just, you know, get your stuff figured out, heal from that rejection. But that's, I feel like it's a long process. It's a lot to, you know, take on that we probably have just kept stuffing down. Well, I think everybody's story is different. And I think one piece, and this is just one piece of it, is um, there's an area of freedom that we need to release people into. And let me Mm. explain what I mean by that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you can't be friends with everybody. And you don't have time. And so instead of like, wasn't that mean they didn't invite you? People really are free to make decisions. And it's not always about you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so I think yep. there's this balanced place where you, and because you want your own child, you know, we grew up in the South and you have to be nice to everybody. And all of a sudden we can become fear of man. We can become people pleasers. So I think there's a place of teaching our kids that everybody is actually free to make what they can sit, who they want with by the lunchroom. And that's actually their freedom. And and your child is free as well. Like maybe they're with a group and they start talking inappropriately at lunch and they don't want to sit there anymore, you know, to empower our kids to know that other people are free and to respect that and to have their own sense of freedom as well. And then we teach our kids to be kind, I, you know, and I, let me give you two stories. My daughter was a, um, we moved to California. We didn't know anybody. She was in, I don't know, third grade, something like that. Where did you move? I missed it. California. California. Oh, I thought you said Copper Man. I was like, I don't know where that is. California. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we, we moved to California and she started being friends with this little girl and everything was great. And then about two weeks into it, this little girl was, got all these other little girls to, to point at her on the playground and to mm. um, run up to her and say mean things. And all of a sudden my daughter who had been very well adjusted in Texas and very happy in school was coming home crying every day. Mm. And so we were dealing with the bullying thing. And I have listened. I used to listen to Focus on the Family a lot. And James Dawson would talk so much about kids and their psyche and in these early years. And to my kid thinking I'm babying her, but I'm absolutely, you know, the Bible says love is patient, love is kind. At the end of that verse, it says love protects. And so I think there's a way to protect without sending your kid the message that they're weak Right. And and I'm a teacher. And so I know as a teacher that I can nip that stuff in the bud in two seconds. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, I want to know about that. So what I did is I called the school. I wasn't going to let her work it out and tough it out. She's in third grade. We just, kids make decisions about who they are really young. And I'm just not, it's my kid. I'm not messing with that. Right. And so, um, and, and I'm not into helicopter parenting and some people could claim this, but I called the school and said, Hey, I'm going to, I want to tell you something's going on, but I, I want you to promise me that you won't, my daughter will not know. And you can, y'all will do this in a nonchalant way. So I called the school and I talked to the ladies who are on the playground, the monitors and the, everybody knew about it. The teacher knew about it. And they, they, nobody let my daughter ever know. Nobody ever knew, but they addressed it. And she ended up moving to a new friend group. We used it as an opportunity to talk yeah. about the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, we did. And we talked about um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know, are those kids, 
demonstrating that. And, and I'd say, it doesn't mean they're bad. Maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they don't know how to walk in the spirit. So again, not judging. Because that's what parents do a lot of times when their kids are hurt. They just, and then they also, they end up making the other kids bad, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. that is literally the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Seriously. It's not the tree of life. No, no, the no. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil makes people bad. You're good. You're bad. And it's like, no. Yeah. It's like, that's not life-giving. So be, because that's not life-giving, the Bible says, guard your heart. My daughter's name is Caroline. Guard your heart, Caroline. Let's talk about what that can look like. And mm-hmm. so she began to really say, okay, I want to really look for people that have fruit. And well, and I feel like you're not, you're not frat. The new popular word is fragilizing. You're not fragilizing her or whatever, how I would ever turn that into a verb. You are empowering her to recognize my heart is precious, given to me by God, loved by God. And it requires boundaries that allow me to say, that's too far. You cannot talk to me like that. And to then also give her eyes to see good character, like you said, fruit, and the type of people that are going to help her be the woman God created her to be. And that she has choices. Yes. I think that is more empowering than it is saying, honey, let's avoid those bad, mean kids that are such bullies that are so, you know, it's how you did it, I think is a huge message too. Because we want to humanize those people that are struggling yeah. and have compassion over them. We yeah. just need boundaries, which is exactly what we need as adults. But, um, you know, Courtney, when she asked me about this, I, she, I said, well, you know, I even did it when my son was in eighth grade. And she goes, what do you mean? Like, she expected me to say, let them do their own thing. Again, we moved to a new school. He was an eighth grader. He had a terrible stuttering problem. Mm. And, and, and that can go school, south. I've heard, I, yes, I'm, I'm a speech language pathologist. And for boys, oh. that can have a huge impact socially and even a lot of other issues can happen. So, Well, and it got stronger because he was a n- nervous at the new, new, new school. Oh, well, and, and with, with uh, puberty. A- and puberty, okay. It's a testosterone-driven speech okay. language disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he got to this new school and he would come home every day and say, mom, I hate this school. Everybody's mean. And it was, and I was like, I'm a teacher again. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. You take everything with a grain and of salt. So, they take the whole story. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And my, and my daughter was flourishing. He wasn't. And it was about, I mean, we were almost to the three, four mark of the school year. He's an eighth wow. grade. Wow. And I'm like, you know what? And I, I do again, their self-esteem now he, and again, he, He's never heard this podcast. He doesn't even know I did this. I don't care if he knows now. But I ended up, one day we were in the car, and just really quick, I go, there's got to be somebody nice at the school. And I go, just say some names. There's got to be somebody that's halfway decent. And he goes, Josh, he he literally said three names, Austin. Like, he said three names so fast. And I'm dyslexic, so I'm like, he got out of the car, and I wrote those. It was just a first name. I wrote those names down as fast as I could. And then there was some teacher at the school that I pulled aside and go, please don't tell my son I'm asking you this. I said, my son said these names. Who are these kids? And then she gave me the last names. So this is a true story. So I pick up the phone. I'm new at, I'm new at the school. Yeah. I, these people, women do not know me. And I called them and I just said, hey, you know, introduced myself. And I said, hey, Josh is at school. You know, he cannot, will you promise me you won't tell him your son or anybody that I called you? She's like, oh my gosh, yeah, the moms were great. And I said, nope. And I'm always, I'm a no pressure person because I think if anything's not of the spirit, then it doesn't matter. Right. So it's like, I'll, I, I'm just throwing I, it I, out I, there. Throw out the net. I mean, I'll ask. Yeah. Um, I'll ask if for anything, but I totally 
when I ask, I have no expectation and there is no pressure. Right. And because I don't like pressure. But I just said, hey, Ed, would you, if you're possibly willing, if you guys, if you know the boys are getting together or if they're going to go, you know, play football or play football and they need another person, um, and he can't know it that I did this. Okay. So here's what happened. So I called all three of those women. By the end of the year, my son got in the mix. They did start inviting him. Mm. And here's what's crazy as heck. So that was school ended up not being a good place for him because he's super learning different. He and I ended up homeschooling him after that. And he ended up going to a different school. My son, I could cry, just got married two weeks ago. The, the boys that stood up in his wedding are those boys. And they're best friends. And they have the most life-giving, godly, cool. I mean, some of them have already gotten married. My son, you know, he, he got to ask them about sex <laughs> like, yeah. talk to, you know because they've all been through like you know that they all kind of walked a similar path and again you know my son's not perfect he had a he, mom's out there he had a porn issue for a season and we can talk about that if you want yeah. at some point yeah so it's not like he was perfect but he he did he didn't have sex until he was married and he had these incredible friends he could talk to with, about it with these deep awesome relationships and they are the boys and if i had not made that phone call i don't know that that would have happened mm. so I am so glad that I did that. It just sounds to me like you're not saying one extreme or the other. You're not saying completely hands off. It'll work itself out. And you're not saying become the helicopter parent and micromanage every tiny interaction. You're more saying keep your eyes open. Notice where your kids' pain points are and provide a supported environment for them to flourish. Yes. And here's the deal. I, and I'll tell you what the through line is. So if you took your hands and you made a triangle, like if somebody's listening right now, yeah. if they want to be a drama major, <laughs> they could put their hands and make a triangle with their hands. And what happens is we, we tend to parent in this triangle. And the very top of the triangle ideally would be the Holy Spirit. God is wisdom, the Holy Spirit, the scripture, you know. And then the bottom half of the triangle on the left-hand side would be fear, fear-driven parenting. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the triangle is um well, you know, lackadaisical fear. And then the other side would be like a controlling, like law-based parenting. Right. And what happens is with parents is they get scared. You know, they just get terrified. And so they either go hands off or they get controlling. And the minute your, your triangle gets flipped, you're either parenting out of your emotions or you're parenting out of discipline and control and the law or you're parenting from the spirit and you can feel it in two seconds. Okay. My kid just came in. They just told me their best friend had sex. And a lot of times kids will tell you stuff like that because they're testing you. They want to see how you're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And so you might respond with, well, you know, the Bible says, right. which is t- totally the first thing that goes in my head. <laughs> and then, or you might respond with fear and the kids will read it on your face or if you can use the art of restraint in parenting, which is difficult because you're a human being and you can be like, okay, God, and you can keep as neutral as you can and as loving as you can and as kind as you can and as and truthful as you can in response to whatever the thing is they come to you with. When they do have major issues, when they do want to confess to you, they've been struggling with something, you can become a safe space for them. Mm. Yeah. Well, if y'all haven't noticed, Tracy's okay saying sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you wrote a whole book about it. 
You wrote a whole book about it. What's it? You tell them about your book, Unashamed. Tell them about your book. Well, I was a high school teacher. And so what happened is these kids would go off to college and I, because I was the drama teacher, you know, they, they would always think you're cool. Yeah. And they would come to me and they would text me about their struggles. Mm. And, um, and whether it's a boy who had looked at some gay porn and he thought he was gay and I'm like, baby, no, you're not. Or whether it's a young girl who, you know, had promised God she would wear that, you know, purity ring. And then all of a sudden she had sex and regretted it, but now she thinks she's dirty. You know, um, I just kind of got angry at the enemy has, and I, the, you, you mamas and daddies out there, it's like, you guys have it hard. I mean, this internet stuff and it's hard. Yeah. And so I got mad at the enemy, to be honest with you, because I was a super promiscuous young woman, but I didn't know the Lord. And I came to faith in Jesus and all of a sudden I'm married and I was having a great time with my husband and thinking, woohoo! And because God had forgiven me for my past. And I noticed a lot of my Christian friends, they were struggling in their marriages because they trained themselves their whole lives to think that sex wasn't pure. Right. And then they got married and all of a sudden they're supposed to be free. Right. And I was like, how do we raise kids? You know, how do we raise kids with what's going on in the culture? Um, enemies had the floor on this topic. It's like, gosh, dang it. I want to have the floor for a second because I have some things to say about it. Yeah. And I have some things to, to tell kids about the fact that you cannot lose your purity. Um, and it's the love of God that would want you to be careful. Yeah. And, you know, I began to study oxytocin in the brain. What happens when, I mean, I, I don't, I, the M word, masturbation, like what happens when, that, and it's like, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, but it's like, how do we help these kids navigate through these issues? Because the culture's talking so much about it and I want to talk about it. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, you know, sex is a beautiful thing. And how do we make, our, you know, my daughter has a boyfriend right now and, and life is real. And like, we have the most beautiful conversations about it. How do we create a safe space with our kids to where they can come to us about this stuff? Yeah. That's good. I've interviewed um, Mary Flo Ridley on the show for you young mamas who are like, oh my gosh, dating, boys, marriage, sex. Plug your ears. I can't do it. And how soon do I start talking about it? Mary Flo Ridley has a great program to just for the little, little tinies. But I think this is such a great book for uh, one, dealing with, again, like we said, your own stuff, your own shame, probably. Did you, yes. you spend a whole section I, on like, because you're, you're going to react in fear or controlling based on what your story was. It's interesting too, because when I wrote my book, I really had in mind 18 to 28 year olds. And because number one, although 16 year olds and 15 year olds really need it the most, uh, just upset their mind in a, in a healthy place, just because I wanted to be pretty wheels off. Like I wanted to talk, like if an 18 year old girl is on my porch and asking me questions about hard stuff, I wanted to feel free. And because 16 year olds are minors, I did, I, in my head, I wrote it for 18 year olds, mm-hmm. but what has happened is um, I work with a ministry called Embrace Grace a lot. And some of the women who, who run Embrace Grace told me that most women receive their sexual wounding um, between, it, it, unless there's molestation or something. And we do, we talk about that in the book too, but between 18 to 28 is where a lot of the trauma happens for women, Christian girls in particular. Hmm. And um, what's happened is women who have not really dealt with their own shame have read my book and it's, and again, my book is just, I mean, I'm, I was dyslexic. My book is in Q and a 
I mean, it literally sounds like you're just talking to me. <laughs> but I, I interviewed young men. I interviewed um, therapists. And it's a com- it's very much your style, Heather. But it's just a conversation mm-hmm. is all it is. Yeah. About it, but it is real questions from real millennials on things that they struggle with in the area of dating and sex. So helpful. So helpful. And I know you mentioned at the very beginning you questioning your faith and being an atheist, and you said you were going to get back to it. And I know there's someone who's listening saying, wait, she never come back to that. And I don't want to leave her hanging. So what's what's that part of your story? Tell me that. My son went off to college. Okay. And he had grown up in a Christian home with a mom who's like authentically, like I have an authentic relationship with Jesus and I'm not overly religious. So I didn't make it sound not too much fun, (laughs) but he grew up, he grew up in the church, you know, went to Christian school off and on and, he got to college and he called me one night and he goes, mom, I'm struggling. I'm like, babe, why? And he goes, I'm questioning everything. Mm. And immediately I wanted to take my parenting triangle and flip it and get emotional because my biggest thing in life is I, I because I grew up with no faith, all I wanted was my kids to know God. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, people were like, I want my son to be a pastor. I'm like, I don't, I'm just looking for faith. Like I just want them to know God. And so, but I knew enough of my own story that God is, faithful. And if you actually seek him, you will find him. If you're genuinely seeking, he's, he is the real deal. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, I've, and my, I'll just walk alongside you, you know, in whatever way you want me to buddy. And he's like, well, mom, I just, I'm going to, and so he goes, I've really been thinking about this. I'm going to let myself not believe in God. Mm. This is hilarious. He told God, he literally told God one <laughs> night, God, I'm not going to believe in you for a while because I want to find out if this thing is really real. Wow. For me. And so he set his faith on the shelf. Um, he laughs about that now. He's like, how do you tell God that? And he set it on the shelf and he began to look into all different options for the existence of the universe and DNA and all that stuff. And he listened to liberal people that maybe told him that there were many paths to God or there's no God. It's all science. And he opened himself up to it in the midst of it. I just prayed. And again, I can notice prayer can even be done in this triangle. I can pray in fear. Right. Or by the spirit, which is, hey, you know, freedom. I mean, I have to even set my son free to wrestle. Yeah. And so um, he wrestled and he wrestled and he, I have a, I tried to do a podcast. haha. It's on my website, tracylevinson.com. But there's, I only did three podcasts because that wasn't for me. But <laughs> one of the podcasts is with my son and he's a songwriter. Mm. He's stutter and he's dyslexic, but he is, is a songwriter and he wrote his way through that journey. And I made him just give us three snippets of the journey of his way back to God. Wow. And he has one of the coolest, most grounded, um, again, unreligious, uh, but totally grounded in scripture, but, but just loves God and has a coolest relationship with God now. Mm. But he, he, it's deep because he had to fight for it and it's got really He took ownership of it yeah. and you let him, which is the hardest Correct. part of all of this. I, I love your triangle, your parenting triangle. That's going to stick with me. I love uh, how you encourage us all to step up in areas that our husbands, you know, we may not see them doing what we'd like for them to do, but to give them space and to do the thing that we're wishing they had to also communicate with our husbands to uh, allow our kids to share with us. I think you created a safe place because you didn't react in fear or control. And so your kids could come to you with concerns about friendships. And uh, and I love how you artfully handled those tricky situations, which can keep us up at night sometimes when we're 
when we're wanting our kids to be in a good place. And especially you mentioned so many moves. I know moms out there, when you move, there's all these um, potential fears that, oh, I just ruined my kid's life. They're going to make no friends in this new place. And so everything you said, Tracy, is so, so good. And I know you just encouraged a variety of different women, but you encouraged me. Uh, So thank you for coming on. I know you have a lot that you do online, but where would somebody find you if they wanted to keep learning from you? After this, most of my stuff is on tracylevinson.com. Okay. T R A C Y L E V I N S O N.com. And can I make one more comment? Please. You're allowed. Okay. So, what I learned though, as I was processing parenting, is in the places where I did screw up or where I yelled and I wish I hadn't or where I had a reaction that I'm like, oh, that wasn't the best. Instead of um, expecting myself to be perfect, I would speak it in front of my kids. So let's say I overreacted to something and I did parent out of fear. I would say, oh my gosh, you guys, I just screamed at you. (laughs) That's totally, I have self-control. Like the Bible says I have everything I need for life and godliness. And I just didn't use my self-control. I'm so sorry, please forgive me, but I still need you to put your dishes in the dishwasher, whatever the issue was. So even in those places where I didn't, uh, respond the way I wish that I would have. I like wanted my kids to know certain things are not okay. So even when I did the not okay thing, mm. I would speak it. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. So I could have grace for myself. So much freedom, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. So you said you're over at tracylevinson.com. Where else can people find you? I know you have some videos. I do. I'm on um, The Blaze. Um, which is Glenn Beck's, uh, I guess, television station and network. And I have a uh, digital channel there. So if you go on theblaze.com, there's a bunch of videos and interviews that I've done um, with different people. So great. It's so great, y'all. I'm thankful to connect you with Tracy. Obviously, you can tell that she is a wealth of wisdom and encouragement. Uh, So thank you, Tracy, for joining us today. Loved it. We'll have to do it again. Yes, ma'am. All right. Have a good day. Thanks, y'all, for listening. I hope you have a fabulous Thanksgiving. If you're traveling and listening, safe travels. I pray that no matter what tension or stress you're having as you enter this family situation, that you can be responsible for just your hoop, that you can know, love your people well, and their reactions and their responses are on them. If you need help with that hula hoop idea, go listen to Vila Tamba. She's my past. She's the pastor's wife at our church, and she does such a great job of talking about staying within our hoop. Also, I've shared on Instagram uh, that I did a little parent coaching with Lynn Jackson of ConnectedFamilies.org, and she reminded me to focus on the question, what went well? So no matter how hard or challenging situations are with your family being in a new place for the week, maybe not sleeping so well, uh, focusing on what's going well. The fact that you have family, the fact that you are loved, the fact that you have your own little family focusing on what went well. I feel like that's the heart of being grateful and gratitude is focusing on all the good things that God has given us. Not in a Pollyanna way, but just recognizing that our minds tend to go towards the negative. Then in trying to protect ourselves and feel control that we look for what's wrong or broken instead of what's going well. I know I need to retrain my brain. I hope that's an encouragement to you to focus on that. I remember one year, I've shared this many times, 
I memorize scripture to help me <laughs> stay focused. Uh, so if she had mentioned memorizing Philippians 4, 8 and to focus on what's true and good and right. And uh, I'm sure there's other words. I think Seeds Family Worship has a song with that scripture. It, you could purchase from iTunes, I guess, if you if your whole family needs to memorize Philippians 4, 8. Um, also Romans 5, 20 that where sin is, grace is more. So even when our kids mess up or we mess up, if we don't respond to a family member in a way that we hope to, that we can know grace is bigger, that within our hoop, we can make amends on our side and be free of any guilt or shame we're feeling in that scenario. Overall, though, thanks y'all for listening. Thank you for supporting this show. You have been the absolute best this year. Uh, My mom just moved out this weekend, and it has been quite the year. Uh, We are looking forward towards what God has next. And so I'll have more info on what's coming in December uh, in next week's episode. Y'all have a fabulous, fabulous Thanksgiving. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.